Good morning. Oh, that's a bit better. <laughs> Just going to put this down here. Um, can you see me okay online? Yeah. I, first of all, I need to say, I want to say thank you. Cam and I both have been uh, overwhelmed by the welcome that we've received from this church family. Uh, the, the gifts, the gardening, the meals, the, the grants, uh, the, uh, everything has just been completely overwhelming. Um, difficult to know the words, really. But then when I come back to Scripture, I know that there is a word for it. It's love. And that kind of love is rarely taught. It's often described, but really it is a gift of God, and it lives in this church family. And for that, I can only say thank you, and I'm so expectant for our future together. So I thought by starting, I would preach my final sermon first. <laughs> uh, let's talk a bit about expectations. Um, it's always the case in leadership that when someone new comes in, we have expectations of things that they'll do or things that they'll uh, empower or, or ways that they'll go about things. And inevitably, that person will fall short at some point in time with an expectation that we may have. And so I apologize now <laughs> for, for where that might fall short. And, and I thought by illustrating this, I could give you a perfect analogy um, that when you move to a new town or city and you invest in the new rugby team and, and, and the place where you've come from has this really amazing rugby team and and you are so excited about that first match between your old home team and your new home team, and the expectation doesn't match up. <laughs> I won't mention any names, but I think you, you know what I'm talking about. Sorry, Dave, sorry. <laughs> so, if there's one thing that I wanna leave with you in the entire time that we're together, if there's one message, one piece of truth that I can leave with you, it's this. And in saying it, I know that it will last you through the highs and lows of life. It will persevere with you through the good times and the bad. It is this. Jesus is Lord. The impact of this statement can be lost, and I totally get it because sometimes in church language we have these things floating around and they can become commonplace in a way, and I totally get that. But the fact is, the impact of this statement is immeasurable by human standards. It, it, it changes everything for us in our daily living, in our church life, in our mission life, what we do beyond those doors. 
and it can send a shockwave through the whole world. And it did so in the words of Paul as he wrote this letter to the church in Corinth. Once we think we've come to terms with it, God often does something bigger. He does something new that then reveals this other aspect to the truth that Jesus is Lord. You know, he's Lord of our personal lives. He's Lord of the national life, of the global life. He's Lord of the cosmos, and he's Lord of all the little things that you go through on a daily basis. I've had the privilege of spending time, in some cases lots of time, with folks who, who've been going through addiction, in the throes of addiction, with substance abuse. And you know, it's been amazing to see how they have discovered Jesus Christ's love for them. And these particular people were locked in the throes of addiction, And the thing that impressed me about their experience was how they talked about it, how they narrated that experience, both inside addiction and coming out of addiction. You see, the overriding sense they felt was of the all-encompassing sense of what addiction feels like, totally consuming. Addiction can feel completely totalizing. If you know someone who's been through addiction, if you've been through addiction yourself, you know what I'm talking about. Addiction feels totalizing. But you know, over the course of months and sometimes years, as these people began to to come out of their addiction, They discovered something, and I think it's really important for our life, for your life, and for mine. I think it can teach us something. You know, they discovered that there's hope. There is hope. They discovered Jesus' love for them, and in one way that is really overwhelming. It's, it's, it's all-encompassing, but even bigger than that, in their experiences, they talked about it, was that they came to understand in a deep way, at a very visceral level, that Jesus' love His saving power is totalizing. It covers everything. And they began to see this in their personal lives, in the lives around them. It was infectious. It seeped in. As their lives changed, things changed around them in ways that they were unable to do for themselves. One young lady came to us after years of struggling with uh, heroin abuse. And she had spent years wrestling with this. Previous to this, she had spent years battling domestic abuse. Before this, she had spent years battling child abuse. And like a cancer, these things had, had ripped through her family. 
not just damaging her life, but severing relationships all along the way, pitting brother against sister, mother against father, and on down the generations. After having a series of profound experiences with the Holy Spirit, after entering into church family life that was very accessible, after getting involved in a home group where people loved her and were honest with her and she could be honest, after many, many times of prayer over her, she eventually came to faith. She was baptized. And most importantly, she recognized that she had been chosen as the object of God's love. And she had been chosen, God had called her into that some time ago. And that that call had always been there in her life, even when she didn't see it. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced that lately? The key thing is, she chose to accept that love. And within a matter of weeks, she suddenly had stopped, had not shown up for church one Sunday. We lost track of her. She didn't show up at her home group. She hadn't checked in with anybody. She hadn't checked in with her prayer partner. And we were a little bit worried, you know, because if you'd seen this before, uh, people would make big progress and then suddenly drop in. It's quite easy to, to fall back into, into old habits and into old friend groups. And the next Sunday she was there and she said, I'm sorry I didn't tell anybody. I apologize. I felt that God had asked me to do something and it was quite hard. And I didn't know what to do other than to go and do that thing. And she said, I went back up north. This is from Torquay. She went back up north and she said, I met with my family, many of whom she'd not seen literally in decades. And she said, you know, as I was on the train, as I was going up there, I had so much anger and hurt and fear in my heart. There were so many things that I planned to say to set the record straight. And when she got up there, she said, I didn't say any of those things. She said, I forgave them. She said, I don't know where that came from. It just came out. All the pain, all the abuse, all the neglect, the hurt, the suffering, covered by the totalizing love of Jesus Christ. Not in part, not temporarily, not for a period of time, completely. And we're not talking about sweeping things under the rug. We're not talking about ignoring something that happened in the past. This is a young woman who can tell her own story, who's honest about the wounds and can show you the scars, and some of those are physical. And she can show you the healing that has happened in Jesus Christ. And there is power in that story 
and it is her story to tell. You know, in New Testament language, we call this testimony. Testimony is intentional, it's truthful, it's deliberate, and it's personal, and it reveals the power of Jesus Christ at work in our lives, and as a way it reflects on the world around us. You know, now when I see this young woman who is debilitated by her past and her addiction and her illness, slave to her suffering and hurt, now there stands a free woman, free from her bondage, free from her slavery, baptized, clean, and inheriting the mind of Jesus Christ more and more each day. That's the way Paul talks about it. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you and me are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom of God. That is our righteousness holiness and redemption. And so, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it is with me, Paul says. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. If there's one fact that I would love for you to take with you that will last you today, tomorrow, and the rest of your life, it is this. Jesus' love is totalizing. Jesus is Lord. Now, Paul's really clear here. He needs to be. He's talking to a church in Corinth that is cut through and through with division. Being typical of a, of a city in the Roman Empire, there were big class divisions, rich against poor, and they had real problems because of that. Because in Roman society, you weren't anybody unless you had land and money or were a man. And at the bottom, there were slaves, not far above that, were women and children, and not far above that were hand workers, laborers like Paul. 10% of Corinthians owned 100% of the wealth, access to food, health care, and everybody else was left to scrap for what was left. And Paul chooses people to lead these churches, and in some cases, they weren't the rich. They were the poor, 
And Paul has this thing to say to them. He says, you think you chose Jesus Christ. Those with privilege, those with power, you think you chose Jesus Christ, your faith, with your intellect, with your schooling. And he says, no. It is because of God that you know Jesus Christ. It is a gift. And he goes on to clarify in Romans 4 that whether we answer back or not, God loves first. God dies for us first before we satisfy any conditions of his love. It's not a legal contract we're in. It's not a kind of economic transaction. You know, I've done a lot of marriage counseling. I've seen a lot of relationships that deep down are built on contracts. You do this and I'll do that. You know, it's all great in the early days and eventually over time, that reckless love and reckless affection and selflessness slowly slips away. It's your turn to take out the recycling. It's your turn to do the dishes. It's your turn to change the nappies. It's your job to do this and your job to do that. And if you love me, then I will love you. We'll make it fair. And God ain't fair. God goes beyond fair and says, I will reach over this contract. I will reach over your expectations. I will overstretch myself to show you my love and I will beg for you to come to me. I will plead for you to come to me. I want you to know who I am through Jesus Christ and I will go to the cross for you and be raised for you for you. And so in this way, he draws all of us into himself, all of creation into himself. And he knows you. He knows you. Let me tell you this. He knows you, and he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And it cost him and that was a voluntary decision that he made. No one forced him. He chose to love you first. I have a vision. I have a vision of the love of Jesus Christ that will change people's lives in this place and in this time. I have a vision that people will be saved from addiction and that includes you and me. The addiction of self-reliance, the addiction of I don't need anybody's help, the addiction of I'm in control, the addiction of I'm master and commander of my own destiny. Do you know, do you know what an addiction is? It's not heroin. It's not alcohol. It's not spice. Those are just vehicles for addiction. Addiction, it's that thing in your life you can't lay down. It's that thing in your life you won't give up, that you won't compromise on. All those things that protect us from being weak and lonely and despised, the kind of people that Paul talks about as being the chosen ones to show the love of Jesus Christ. 
I may look put together to you. I, actually, I don't, I don't know if you, maybe I look like a car crash to you, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, I've got those things in my life and I've got those things in my past and we'll talk about it. I'm going to be honest with you. I am far from perfect. But I am so thankful for the joy and love of Jesus Christ in my life that makes me new, that makes me worthy. And that is for all of us. I have a vision. I have a vision that we are being rescued and others are being drawn in, in this place and beyond this place that there's somewhere out there a seismic tidal wave and it's drawing people in. It's drawing people in and people are riding that and we will be swept into it, drawn in by the love of Jesus Christ. I have a vision that that is the case. That it's starting somewhere outside those doors. And many of you have talked to me about this. Many of you feel it that this is the case in Lark Hall and beyond. I have a vision that Jesus is going to transform lives in this place. And it is a result of the totalizing love of Jesus Christ. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not. He chose you and me and a whole load of others and a whole lot of people who wouldn't step into this church in a million years. It is because of Him, our Father in Heaven, that you are in Jesus Christ, that we are in Jesus Christ. Please don't forget God's totalizing love. Whatever happens in the days, weeks, and months ahead, please do not forget this truth in your life.